in his wildest dreams. Command Sergeant Major Bradley Jones never thought he would make a career out of the military. Through the setbacks, the disappointments, and the trials, there were many life-changing moments, including the death of his first wife when he was 37 years old and had three young children. Now many of us are going to relate to Bradley's story in a very different way, but each of us will be encouraged by his interview. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Grant. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Bradley Jones, Command Sergeant Major, enlisted in the United States Army in 1984 and served until 1988 as a ground control approach radar repairman. Upon completion of his initial enlistment and a break in service, he joined the Utah Army National Guard in 1993. His military awards and decorations include the Bronze Star Medal, Army Commendation Medal, Army Achievement Medal, Good Conduct Medal, Armed Forces Reserve Medal, Afghanistan Campaign Medal, Global War on Terrorism Service Medal, Army Reserve Component Achievement Medal, and the Master Aviation Crew Member Badge. Wow, those are lots of things to hang on the office wall. Then Bradley, during his civilian career, he now works for the FAA as an Airway Transportation Systems Specialist in the Service Operations Center of the Salt Lake Air Route Traffic Control Center. Wow, I am impressed. Good morning, Bradley. Good morning, Carol. How are you? Did you recognize the guys? I was reading off all those medals. <laughs> you know, sometimes when I see that list, I think, especially the Bronze Star Medal, like people ask me about that, and I've told them I didn't win that award. My soldiers won that award for Excellent me. Excellent answer. Excellent. I understand that. So let's start with the story that I know my audience is waiting to hear. And that is what happened when you lost your wife. Well, um, one of the the main themes um, found in my book, and I know we'll talk about that uh, later in the conversation, but is you know adjusting to um, a major fork in the road in your in in one's life, and you can't really have a bigger fork in the road than um, to 
suffer the sudden and unexpected death of a significant other. Um, and um, in this case, my wife, uh, we'd been married, um, I think, 11 years by that time. And, um, you know, uh, I'd never experienced from one moment to the next in my life where all of a sudden your life as you knew it shifts 180 degrees um, and just changes in the blink of an eye. And um, I think for the first probably four or five months after her death, I had one thought that just kept coming back to me. And that was just, I can't believe this happened to me. I can't believe this happened to me. And I think, you know, and like I said, in, in my book, I talk about the, the um, points that we all reach in our life. I mean, who hasn't had a major shift in direction? You, you think things are going a certain way and you're, you're, you know, looking ahead as best you can. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the scenery just absolutely changes. And, um, and I think one of the things that I, that I really feel strongly about is that um, as painful as some of those things can be, there's always a silver lining in, in, in those experiences. And, and I would not be the person I am today had I not gone through what I went through. And how did you handle it? After the initial devastation and you have to get your life back together, you've got three small children who are depending on you. How did you do that? Um, you know, I honestly, you know, there was there was several um, points during the, the months following uh, her passing that I had kind of, I kind of stepped back and I looked, you know, at, at um my life from a certain perspective. And I realized that I had amazing friends. I had amazing family members who absolutely stepped up and, um, just, you know, made incredibly impactful, um, gave service to me, um, supported me. I, I never, I never had a time when I felt like, you know, like the savior, had his hand on my shoulder um like i did when i went through that experience like i felt like so many times like somebody was walking beside me with their arm around me which gave you peace absolutely you know that's the kind of peace that transcends all things that um you you know it's not uh, it's not coming from me you know it's, it's coming from from elsewhere now, there are going to be people in the audience who will relate to that part of your story. Is Do you have something now going forward that you can remember going backward that really, besides the knowledge of having you know, your Heavenly Father with you, is there anything else that you did or that you can give as advice to someone who may be suffering like that? I'm absolutely there there were so many things that that occurred throughout the the, the months um, following Randy's death experience where um, one of my best friends called me from uh, Iraq from Balad Iraq in the middle of the ground war in 2003 
and um, to find out how I was doing. And it didn't occur to me until probably a number of years later. I thought I, I didn't get a hold of him. I wonder who got a hold of him. And so one night over dinner, I asked him, who told you that Randy passed away? And his, his wife, who was in Germany, he, he deployed with a, uh, a regular army unit out of Germany. His wife had a dream in Germany. She called him on his satellite phone and said, call Brad, something's happened. Huh. And that, I mean, that kind of stuff lets you know that you know, Heavenly Father knows each one of us. And, um, you know, that that comfort and that knowledge, I think, um, is, you know, what uh, can what got me through and what can get other people through um, some of the toughest trials um, that, you know, of this of this life. Well, thank you for sharing that. I, I'm sure that that triggered memories as well for you. So moving fast forward, why did you join the military initially? <laughs> well, um, you know, I my best friend joined, um, Paul, uh, and he had already joined. And one day uh, he said, hey, I have to stop by the recruiting office to uh, drop off some paperwork or something. And so I just happened to be with him. And so I went in with him and, of course, you know, recruiters being recruiters, they were like, Hey, what do you, you know, what's your, what are your plans? And I honestly didn't really have any plans. So they just said, you know, well, why don't you just take a practice, um, ASFAB, which everybody that joins the military has to take the official ASFAB, you know, the aptitude test. And, and so I took the AS or the practice ASFAB and they said, uh, you scored really well on it. Um, you could pretty much do whatever you want in the military and so um, we sat, I, I went and took the official ASFAB and, and then we sat down and, um, and they said, you know, here are some positions and some things to do. And, and um, one of the things that I remember vividly as a, as a kid was my parents taking us to the airport to watch planes land at uh, Portland International Airport which sits right below, right beside the Columbia river. And, um, so I, all of a sudden they popped up with a rate, you know, working on radar and I, it just, it just absolutely clicked. <laughs> and I, I just said, if you get me that job, I'll join. And the rest is, as they say, is history. You did quit though at one point, didn't you? And then mm -hmm. re-enlist. So what, about, what happened there? When I got towards the end of my that four-year enlistment, um, I really um, wanted to follow in my brother's, uh, my older, I have one older brother, um, and he'd served a mission, uh, had been a missionary um, for uh, two years, um, and I honestly just felt like I, I saw the change in him, I saw how, how much it helped him to grow as a person, um, you know, spiritually, it helped him grow in so many other ways. And I, I thought if I don't do this now, I'll, I'll never do it. You know, I was still young and, um, you know, uh, I had had the, some money saved up from my, my enlistment, um, you know, from four years. And, um, I honestly just thought I need to, 
um, if I'm going to do it, I have to do it now. Cause I'm, I was 22 at the time. And, um, and so I had a, you know, break in service. I got out and, um, you know, put in, put in the paperwork to go be a missionary and, and got called to go to, uh, Argentina of all places and went down to Argentina and have had an absolutely amazing experience down there that, ha, you know, has been with me ever since. That's quite the switch, isn't it? In the- <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, and it's interesting because um, going, you know, to be a missionary and kind of the regimented lifestyle, well, that was second nature to me, you know, after being in the army for four years, um, that, that, um, it, it was such a natural transition for me that, um, it, uh, it wasn't a huge adjustment for me at all. And, um, and so it, the, my, my four years paid huge dividends for my, my personal self-discipline and motivation as a missionary, um, you know, to get, to get up, you know, you're on your own, you know, you, you can, you can be as lazy as you want, basically. Um, <laughs> but I got, you know, it was like, let's go to work, you know, let's, let's, let's give service to these great people of, of Argentina. So, um, the military was, was definitely gave me a leg up on, on being a missionary. Now, when you were part of the Apache helicopter battalion, that was at the same time that September 11th happened. Is that correct? Yes. And yes. how did that, if if at all, affect you? We were on a deployment. In, uh, our, we took a task force of, um, I think, 12 Apaches to uh, Kuwait, and we helped with um, Operation Southern Watch, which was the no-fly zone over Iraq at, following the Gulf War. Um and so we were in an operational mode that was very high op tempo uh, over there. And then September 11th happened. It, I was on a I was on a flight line. It was late afternoon in Kuwait, and we were working on an Apache. And we saw the base security racing around in their vehicles, and they took up positions at the at the um, guard shacks, you know, at the corners and along the perimeter with their weapons drawn. And we kind of watched and thought, what, you know, are they doing an exercise or so I told my guys, Hey, keep working on this. I'm going to go find out what's going on. So I went into uh, the Raytheon uh, trailer and um, there were probably six people in, in that office and they were all just sitting with blank stares on their face. And I walked in and I'm, I immediately sensed something was wrong. What's, what's Mm. going on? And they told me what happened, you know, and I sat in there and basically heard the reports of the second plane hitting, um, and went and grabbed my guys and said, Hey, something's up. Let's, you know, come got my guys together, you know, talk to them and just, you know, said, Hey, I remember my grandparents talking about, um, Pearl Harbor and what a national, shock that was to you know to everybody in america and um and then we went over to we went over to get something to eat at the chow hall um and um i just remember seeing people in the chow hall normally the chow hall is 
you know, got conversation. There's a level of noise of conversation going uh-huh, on, uh-huh. totally silent. And all these, you know, huge big screens up on the walls, all, you know, Fox News, CNBC, you know, MSNBC, you know, all these um, news programs um, showing all the footage and stuff. And I remember making eye contact with a number of people, huh. other so, you know, a number of other soldiers in the chow hall. And the only way I can describe it was it was there was a look of resolve on everybody's face. Really? Now, normally I would think you would say a look of fear. So why do you think resolve? Because this, this goes to now the different things that you have experienced in your life that is related to fear in the military. So mm-hmm. why, do you, why, do, why would you say resolve? I'm just curious. Resolve because, you know, as a soldier, you're trained to, do a, to perform a, a specific function um, as, a, as a, you know, a part of a greater, a greater mission. You know, one of the things that, that I talked about, you know, with my soldiers, because there, there is obviously an element of fear in going, you know, on a combat uh-huh, deployment uh-huh. or being in combat. And, you know, when I spoke with my soldiers and I, and I told them, Hey, fear is a normal part uh, or can be a normal uh-huh. part of what we do. But what I want you to focus on is I want you to focus on just doing your job. Don't uh-huh. try to win the war in your mind. There's, there's people higher up that are, that are on that, you know, that are doing that right now. You focus on doing your job. And I promise you that as you do that, you'll, you'll have this inner strength to get through, you know, whatever's ahead. Um, and, and so, you know, we train, we train to do, uh, you know, as a, as an Apache mechanic, you train to fix the Apache. Um, and, you know, as a, um, as a, uh, armament guy for me, you know, personally, that was my job. We took care of all the electronics on board the Apache, all the weapon system. We loaded the weapons and stuff. And so when you train and do that over and over again, um, you know, you find if you find yourself in combat, your training takes over. And so, you know, the resolve was just, I have a job, I know how to do it. Um, and um, I'm being called on now to, to actually do it for real. I really like that what you said. And I think you could apply that to virtually any area of your life, including teaching children, and that is don't try to win the war in your mind. Just do mm-hmm. your job. That is excellent. Excellent. We're going to take a quick 15-second break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about your book. We're going to talk about what makes a leader and what you can share with people to encourage them in that area. We'll be right back. Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another, gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering or injustice, 
Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. Bradley Jones is with me today, and he is sharing his experiences in the military, in life, and also how that his experiences can help us to become better leaders, to see ourselves as a leader. And I really liked the name of your book, which is Treading the Deep. And I thought about that, just that name, without knowing anything about you or the book for some time. And and I think we can really relate. I love it. It's so catching. I think we can really relate with it because there are multiple times in our lives when we do just that. We're treading the deep, even though this may not have anything to do with what you're going to share. But I look forward to that. So let's start with, first of all, how did your experiences shape you as a leader? When I sat down and um, really, uh, I was asked to write a command philosophy, uh, which is typical for uh, sergeant majors mm. and battalion and brigade commanders um, to have their command philosophy out there. And a lot of times the command philosophy is kind of bullet, you know, can be bullet uh, statements and, and um, things like that. And the last commander I served with was a uh, guy named Lieutenant Colonel Matt Bedell. And he had a really inspiring um, command philosophy. And his, in essence, his, his command philosophy was, um, you know, we're, we're made up of, um, of, you know, I think it was five specific things. You know, we're, we're emotional, we're physical, uh, we're mental, um, and we're spiritual actually four, but, um, he, and he addressed each one of those things. And, and especially as soldiers, you know, obviously we have to maintain ourselves physically, um, and, and mentally and emotionally, um, you know, you want to create balance, but he also talked about the spiritual aspect and he, he would get up in front of soldiers and say, I don't care if you worship a tree, you know, (laughs) You need to dedicate time. That is an actual aspect of each one of us that needs attention. And so, you know, he talked about the the balance of those things. And when one gets when one gets kind of out of whack, and you you might have to spend time addressing that specific one to kind of get it up and balance and balanced with the others and stuff. Um, so he he went at it from that angle, and I was, you know. I really liked that concept that we're, you know, these, these four things make up each one of us and they each need attention. And so I started thinking about my command philosophy and, and then it kind of, you know, I had as a command sergeant major, you're, you're frequently called on to speak to soldiers uh, in large groups. And, and, you know, one of the things that I did from early on was I talked about, some of the um, things that, that are in my book that are, I laugh about them now, but they were <laughs> extremely embarrassing experiences when I was a young soldier as a way to kind of bridge the gap between me and, and these young soldiers and say, Hey, I was no different than you. <laughs> um, you know, we put our pants on the same way 
and, you know, to make a connection with the young soldiers and to basically say, if you think that when I was in your shoes that I ever thought (laughs) that I would be where I'm at today, you've got another thing coming. And, um, but I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, let them know that, you know, A, I would never ask them to do something I wouldn't be willing to do myself. Um, and you, and you, you know, good leaders lead from the front. Good leaders empower uh, others. They they divest their power, um, and you know, poor leaders consolidate power. And um, and so, you know, as I started to think about my command philosophy and um, and the stories that I had told, because I'd get soldiers that would frequently, you know, come to me and say, "Hey, Sergeant Major, can you tell us that story?" You know, that you told before about when you got kicked out of that leadership school and, you know, graduated with the most demerits in the history of the (laughs) um, NCO Academy at Fort Bliss, Texas. Um, And, um, you know, so those stories resonated. And from there, it just kind of went like, I I have to, I got to, it was going to be a pamphlet at first. (laughs) And then it exploded. Really? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Ha. <laughs> huh. Okay. So, who is it written for then? Um. Well, it was it, you know written for you know uh, my soldiers and and the, uh, those that I had served with over the years as as a way to say thank you and as a way to inspire others in their path in life. Initially, like I said, it was going to be a pamphlet, but as I one of the things that happened was I went through the Sergeant Majors Academy, which is a two-year course, um, and I wrote um, numerous, numerous papers, uh, and a lot of them were um, <clears throat> what they call personal experience papers, and so they kind of just left it up to you. And so I wrote about the things that happened to me that helped me grow mm. as a person, uh-huh. that taught me some very important and, and sometimes some very embarrassing lessons. Um and, you know, and some of the humorous things. And so I had this huge body of work already and I just started to kind of consolidate it. And, um, you know, and then I just started to kind of connect them up. And, and that's basically, uh, was the rough draft for, um, it was well beyond a pamphlet at that point. So it's relatable. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it shows one of the main themes is just that I was not the smartest soldier. I wasn't the most physically gifted soldier. You know, I was an average soldier. Um, and I, I just stuck with it. You know, I just stuck with it. Who should read it? Um, you know, anybody that wants to be inspired about, you know, um, overcoming life's experiences. Um, the one thing that I, heard over and over again from those who reviewed it and uh, many people have gone on and given me fantastic reviews on Amazon is if you've never had any affiliation with the military it will be like uh, a roller coaster ride with me you know beside me through a military Ah. career so if you've never um, had a you know or known of what going to basic training is like it will give you a front row seat. And every, so many people have commented that they felt like they were standing right beside me on the journey. So it's, it's an account, but also 
I'm assuming it's inspirational. Would Absolutely. you say that? Absolutely. One of the things that that really um, was was an amazing experience in in writing writing a book um, was I was um, paired up with uh, an amazing editor, and she um, is very much responsible for the for the storyline throughout that book. And she helped me to see how to establish the storyline. And then you just hang everything off that storyline. And, um, you know, when we were about three quarters of the way done, she commented to me, um, that this, this book is going to make people, um, it's going to, it will make you laugh. It will make you cry. It will make you cheer. Um, and it's, it's about, you know, triumphing, uh, the, the triumphs that we can experience despite the trials. I like that. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. It'll make you cheer and help you to triumph despite the trials. Absolutely. That's excellent. Now, in closing, is there anything that you want to summarize, encourage, add, subtract, <laughs> <laughs> whatever you'd well, like to share? You know, it was interesting to uh, work with an editor because at one point I thought, I want my soldiers to kind of know what I was like when I was growing up. <laughs> and so I wrote a number of chapters about my childhood, you know, kind of what I, you know, what I was into and. You know, I was a big skateboarder in the 70s. And um, anyways, and my editor was like, nope, we're starting <laughs> from the, this when you drive down to enlist. And um, so all that stuff kind of got swept aside. I think having a, having it kind of start there um, and people not knowing, you know, uh, kind of the backstory, um, interesting to um, to connect with people, um, that, uh, have, have seen what I'm interested in. I try, I, on my, um, social media accounts, I only do positive uplifting things. I, I, my posts are positive. My, I, I try to make, there's enough negativity out there. I I want to add to the positive. Mm -hmm. And that's why we need people like you. And that's why we need books that you write. So I thank you. Well, this has been enlightening and it certainly has been encouraging, I'm sure, for the audience. And hearing things from your perspective, from the military, it just gives it an extra punch. So I really appreciate what you shared today. And again, this book will make you laugh will make you cry, will make you cheer, and help you tell you how to triumph despite your trials, a message we all need to hear. Thank you so much, Bradley, for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. Awesome. Thank you, Carol. It's been an honor. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. 
Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.